Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to another edition of Birds All Day, a mid-December cold, snowy snowstorm here in beautiful downtown Toronto edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and joining me uh, to talk all about your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, King should have fucked Mountain. Yeah, King should have fucked Mountain. King should have fucked Mountain. Old reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm Uh, glad to hear that you're well. Uh, uh, You're well. The the well of Blue Jays news is not exactly um, overflowing these days. It is A bit of a dry period. Yeah. I mean, I could really be grinding out some... Here are left-handed relievers the Jays could pick up on on minor league deals kind of stuff but uh on the other hand I could not be doing that which is may death take us first (laughs) I would think so yeah um because big league relievers apparently even ones that aren't good they command humongous free agent dollars so I don't recommend uh, that but we'll get into that later um but yeah we're talking about your Toronto Blue Jays what's going on the ongoings the comings and goings there haven't been a lot of comings uh, there have yet not been any goings as well. There has been some limbo, some guys in limbo. Pitchers, or uh, hitters, actually. So, talk about the latest. Maybe there's a reunion in the works, as we've discussed uh, many times before. Uh, is there any other news? We've, it's, it's getting into silly season in the, in, the, in the baseball content world. So, there are articles... On major baseball analysis sites, comparing Kevin Pillar and Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah, so we can talk about that. We can talk about yeah. the impending breakout and/or trade of Marcus Stroman. I don't know. We'll gonna, figure I'm it gonna out. I'm going to take breakout on that. You'll take breakout. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Not he's until also Ju- not break- until he's also not breaking out. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, but that is what we do. We talk about your Toronto Blue Jays here on Birds All Day, uh, and we do it every week. And we do it every week because of. The support, the gracious and beloved and, and admired support of all of our listeners. We're a listener-supported podcast, which you can join if you haven't already by going to patreon.com slash birds all day to, uh, to shoot us a couple bucks a month to keep us living in the style to which we've grown accustomed, to keep us motivated and, and activated. Uh, and here we are. And we do it because we love it and, and, and because the people are there to support us. And for that, at this time of the year, the holiday time of the year... We say thank you. We say thank you anyway. Yeah, we sure do. It, we'll say it louder. It, right it now. is. It is wonderful. It really is amazing that people uh, take money out of their own pockets or and or credit cards and uh, and and push it our way. It's, it, it's a marvelous thing, and we are, you know, extremely appreciative of that, and and uh, we we're glad that people appreciate what we do. Very much so. Or and if you want to or appreciate have what the we fact that pushed your way, the, hmm? or, the, or they just appreciate the fact that you know some sort of background noise with Blue Jays sort of vaguely there for them when they run on the treadmill or or you know sit on the the subway or something like that. Who knows how? We see you, Stacy. We see you running <laughs> on the treadmill. Who knows how deeply they're really they're really listening to what we have to say? But that's fine. Well, as we're going to reveal all of life secrets at the end of the podcast, <laughs> at which point uh, where no one ever treads. But uh, but yeah, we'll talk about the Jays. And as I said, if you want us, as you said, people push us. I, I don't want to. Do I have to do it again? I had to repeat my my amazing metaphor. Anyway, if you want our content, if you want birds all day pushed directly to you, you can of course uh, go to the iTunes store, search for, or iTunes podcast section, search for birds all day, and then you can uh, rate and review and subscribe. And get it right away, right into uh, your phone or your iPad or your work 
computer because everyone knows that uh, well you got to do it on the low because your 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 colleagues they're watching you know the people you live with that are in your pod they know what you're looking at all day long don't think they don't I'm one of the worst screen lookers of all time I'm always creeping on what's on somebody else's screen we live in a double monitor world you got to be mindful of where you put those incognito windows I'm just saying. <laughs> I remember Office Life. Do not it's great. Miss, do not miss it for a damn second. Uh, oh, what we could also do is we can. Um, I think what we should do is is offer our translation skills for the a recent job posting to, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh my I think God. That's, maybe that's something that we'll do. Yeah. Try to try to parse what it is that this person, whomever they might be, uh, what are they what are they supposed to do <laughs> with this this job that they're hiring for. God only knows. But yeah, we'll do that. All that. All that. And so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. All right, so... I would love to say that no news is good news, but no news is not really good news because no news means no thing really to talk about. Uh, there was, well, I guess it was because we did last time we spoke, it was the winter meetings. Yeah. Correct? Was, yeah. I think it was the last, uh, the Tuesday of the winter meetings. So Maybe just a little over a week ago. In that time, uh, Dexter Fowler signed not with the Blue Jays. Shockingly. Shockingly did not <laughs> sign with the Blue Jays. He, in fact, signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. As fans in baseball, you can hardly blame him. That he would never play for them. It, it was the those were the vibes that were coming out, weren't they? That was yeah. That was some some of the vibes that that people were starting to give, and the St. Louis media was was picking up on, and uh, you know uh, the, that didn't seem completely unfounded, given that he was a teammate of Jason Hayward, who I don't think was. Uh, was treated real well by the St. Louis fans after he left, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, though I don't know, I don't. You know, probably don't get treated well by any fans. You know, after you leave uh, a place like that. But but maybe the, I think a lot of it also was was he didn't want to play for uh, Mike Matheny. I don't know what the, I don't know what any of that was. But it, whatever it was, uh, perhaps it was just an attempt to to get St. Louis to up an offer that they had because. Uh, because obviously it amounted to nothing because they gave him a whole bunch of money and he's going to play for the Cardinals. They gave him like a whole bunch of money, right? They went way over whatever offer the Blue Jays had put out there. Is that There were some reports about what the Jays would have offered. or I don't know if you remember any of that stuff offhand. Yeah, it was... I mean, I think they, they were asking for, uh, for... Or they were thinking... I think Heyman wrote that his agent was hoping to get uh, $18 million a season. Uh, people were sort of thinking four years... And so you're like, okay, seventy-two million dollars uh, over four years. That's you know less than Edwin. That's probably a player that you know maybe fit that team better than. And and if if eighteen million per year is you know what they're hoping they can get, maybe that's the high end, and and you can get them for a little less than seventy-two. And that's why it sort of sounded like it might have actually been a realistic fit for the Jays and and somebody that they could fit into their uh, their overall payroll structure, which as we know is 
uh, is, is kind of bloated at the moment with 20 million each to Tulo and Martin and you know Liriano and Hap and Estrada making good coin and it's uh, it, it's there's a lot of money going around that roster and 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 so it seemed like that was maybe a way that would fit and I forget what the final number that Fowler got but it was five years not four uh, and was it uh, it was over eighty was it over ninety I can't remember if it was it was over one of those two numbers which which put him you know. A little bit out of the Jays' stratosphere in terms of where they probably would be comfortable going. I think you made a good point about you know a guy who really earns a lot of his dollars with his legs and and has not been terribly durable coming to play on turf was maybe not you know didn't make him as great a fit as uh, it seemed. But I mean he was by far uh, the best fit for the Blue Jays of anybody of any of the big tier free agents on this market uh, and would have really made them. You know, it looked like a team that was ready to to go out and try to capture a playoff spot again. And right now, uh, they maybe don't quite look like that because they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, we, you and I, I don't ran Dexter Fowler down, but there are obvious flaws. And I think oh, I, I, did, I didn't, I didn't run oh. Dexter Fowler down. I was cheering. Well, I, mean, I was on the I on did, team Fowler. I, w- I, I did the well. We never wanted him anyway, and no, I would not <laughs> want that guy playing for my team. Which is, you did, uh, yes. Uh, you know, an inevitability when uh, you are uh, a, a, a fan base scorned. Uh, I think there were some. I just went for a quick look around for um, his. It was so it was five years, eighty-two point five million dollars. Okay, yeah, which is a lot, but uh, the there were some Cardinals blogs being like, "Oh, these comps are worrisome for Dexter Fowler." Whatever, he doesn't play for the Blue Jays now. He's not going to play for the Blue Jays ever, probably at this at this rate. Uh, but you know, it's there was there was a good quote uh, that came. Did we talk about this? That came out during the the, the winter meetings about. If you are totally rational during uh, free agency, you end up f- uh, finishing third a lot. Yeah, Andrew Friedman. I, I put that in my tear the team down piece. I think that, yeah, that's been around, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is the, the quote of the winter meetings because, yeah, it's a, it's a great quote. And it's really accurate. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, if the Jays wanted to go bananas and, and match a five-year 82 or eight, if they had went five years, because that's, that's the thing. Like, that's the deal that he signed to play in a place that he wanted to play or maybe didn't want to play. But what what is it going to take to beat that? So now it's... Five years, eighty-five, or five years, eighty-six, or five years, eighty-eight, and all of a sudden it's just like, man, you're giving a, so much money, and so much of the future of your club is now tied up to a guy who's in his thirties, who's playing on turf, who's an outfielder. Uh, it's just a little scary. Yeah, uh, if it, at at four sixty, it looks real. It looks real doable, and at five eighty-five, five ninety, it it looks considerably worse. Yeah, but I mean that's free agency, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. You have to be so. You don't have to be so careful, but yeah. If if you if you're going to be rational during free agency, you do end up finishing third. But you know what happens if you aren't rational during during free agency? You end up like the Colorado Rockies. Jesus. And you yeah. end up. And there was a, a tweet on this some analytics thing. I don't know where it's from. Uh, the next year, the the Rockies have paid eighty nine million dollars, and what they are projected to get from Ian Desmond and Mike Dunn over the life of the two respective contracts, which total $89 million, is three and a half wins. Jesus. That's, now, maybe that's wins like Kendry's aren't, Morales maybe, and you know, Steve the way, that, the way that wins are calculated isn't your cup of tea. Uh, and you are going to say, well, you're paying a middle reliever at market price, so his wins don't really reflect his value. Sure. 
I'll get I'll grant you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Ian Desmond, uh, you know, the Rockies are overpaying for a, f- a trait of his uh, durability that they really like. Sure. Uh, I still think that the five years and $70 million they got for Desmond, they probably could have got a lot of Edmund Encarnacion to play first base for that a very similar price. Call me crazy. Yeah, if you believe Edwin's going to be able to keep running himself out there for four years. But yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think given that so as I mean, an alternative, you should, that, that, that should have been something that would have been explored, uh, that, that should have so, been explored by Colorado, yeah. So, I mean, you can be yelling and screaming and saying the team's got to spend money, but if... If the Blue Jays spend $90 million on those two players, is anybody happy? Is there a single person in the world who's happy? Like, finally! <laughs> finally, Rogers is flexing its muscle and showing some free agent clout by spending spending $30 million on per win above replacement on a team that's <laughs> not poised to compete for the playoffs and on a player who's so bad. It is. So, so bad. It is crazy. It, you know, I, I I wrote about the Cajal Kelly piece uh about this because he was like, he was talking about the Jays. Oh, they're sitting on their hands and the market's going to go crazy and that's bad. But also they got Kendrys Morales and that's bad. And and they really rushed to, to, to that market. And it's like, well, okay, so they just, they can't win, basically. They can't win unless they do everything that everybody, you know, that people want them to do. Whatever you want them to mm-hmm. do, they have to do it. Otherwise, it's a disaster. And, you know, the, the free agency just obviously doesn't work like that. You know, it's it, it's it's a total, it's a minefield. Free agency is a complete minefield, and there are free agent deals that work out extremely well. Big money free agent deals. There's there's plenty of them. You don't have to look too hard to find work deals that have worked out wonderfully. Uh, the Matt Holiday deal with the Cardinals is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. What it was it, like 120, 150 million dollars, whatever it was? It's worth that and more. No big deal. Robinson Cano's deal started out wonderfully. There are yeah. lots of guys. Lots of deals. That, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, no, lots of deals that that have that have definitely worked out very well. And not everything needs to be. Not every deal is is, is can, needs to be con- considered in whether or not it's like a heist. Uh, there was a great piece. I don't know if you saw this that Michael Bauman wrote for the Ringer. Oh yeah, I did. That see ran that, down yeah. the, the ten worst contracts in baseball. It's but crazy. it was worst contracts yeah. in a. These are so unfair to the player. Yeah, <laughs> contract like yeah. Jose Jose Altuve's contract is the worst contract in baseball because he makes pennies relative to his value so we get to like you know people who are astros fans who get to love to crow about the process and it's like yeah but a guy is missing out on tens of millions of dollars in his peak earning year so it's all about your perspective i guess but that that is actually that's a good a good you know sort of thing to pivot on with these toronto blue jays because they are coming off a period when they had two contracts you know maybe not last year but at least you know the, the several years before would have very much been in the middle of that list with Batista and Encarnacion making less than, than you know, market value for what they brought to the table. And so it, it, it's a, not only are you having to replace their production, you're having to replace, uh, you're having their to replace it. Value. Yeah, which is, which is That's what really amount. gets the clicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How are we going to replace the marginal surplus value of this team? Uh, you know, this is, that's, that's the burning question. The one that was just lighting that air, that hangar of an air of a hotel in DC <laughs> that they hosted the, the Winter Olympics. I see Who's what, gonna win the marginal surplus value? I see what you're years? I see what you're doing here, but really, it is it is I think the central question of the to the off season in a lot of ways. It is they got so much out of those contracts without burdening their payroll that much that you know now that those contracts are gone and you have to bring in 
players at real dollars. They don't have those kinds of steals on their on their on their books right now. Uh, you're seeing that it's difficult. I'm going to throw a name out there, a, a player who changed teams, um, uh, who I think should be a Blue Jay right now, frankly. And that's Cameron Mabin. I'd he okay got traded that. to the Angels. He had a contract that was very affordable, that's something that could definitely work in the Blue Jays' um, you know, setup in terms of their artificially deflated payroll structure because of their cheap ass owners, yes, yes, but uh, that's a player that I like, and that's a, the kind of guy who's coming off a very strong season, better, you know, one of his best of his career. Well, you could argue, well, not his best season, but uh, Cameron Maybin's all right, and he didn't didn't cost the team that acquired him a ton, but he was like a two win player. I don't know. He had a, maybe an inflated batting average on balls in play. Uh, if you, play, if the team isn't to parade, become yeah. um, more fleet of foot, <laughs> have a bit of a, uh, a stronger defensive presence in the outfield, a guy who used to be a center fielder is probably not really anymore, um, stole some bases, doesn't strike out too much. It would have been interesting to see if the Blue Jays were involved in those conversations because that's a guy that uh, that would look good. In the Blue Jays uniform, traded to, traded to the Angels, meaning that the Angels give up something. Uh, they don't have anything to give up. So, if you're making trades, you got to be able to get in there. You, but like that's an example of a guy that those are the those are the kind of guys that are going to have to fit into the Blue Jays' plans for the next little while. Yes, the Steve Pierce's, but also through trade. But uh, and Steve then, Pierce, I forgot Steve Pierce plays for the Blue Jays now. <laughs> a, a a savvy little pickup, a nice little pickup that in a then in a vacuum, I think it looks really good for them. And uh, and in terms of anything anybody's going to give a shit about, it just does not <laughs> does not make any noise whatsoever. No, it's a, it's one that easily slips from the memory. But hopefully, it's the kind of thing that will make a big deal. Like when it'll it'll, it'll pay dividends. Hopefully, obviously, as a guy who can add some thump against left-handed pitching, as we as we've discussed before. But I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say about free agency other than. Talking about the big things in free agency, which are the ongoing Jose Bautista and Edward Encarnacion sagas. Yeah, um, there are not a lot of teams. We we've I think you know you and I were even talking about this you know last year. We were joking about Edmund becoming a Red Sox and Bautista becoming a Yankee. And I I mentioned the Diamondbacks a lot, but yeah, the <laughs> the Yankees, those pinstripes also maybe the. Rockies still wear pinstripes. You'd have to watch the Rockies to know, and I would never put myself through that. You know they have Ian Desmond playing first base. The Rockies, <laughs> they sure do. It's all—it's almost like they're out of their fucking minds. But um, oh well, and they want—they well, have a good player, Charlie Blackman, that they don't want to trade because he's worth too much. I don't know. Um, but there just aren't a lot of landing places now. The Edmund and Texas talks have kind of—I saw some of them resurfacing. Edmund and and Oakland. Yeah, the Oakland Athletics. John Heyman here on Thursday night uh, wrote a, that that Oakland is interested. Uh, no way, that's garbage. Oakland is so fucking bad. Uh, yeah, what I, a joke I, team. They're a yeah, joke. Yeah, frankly, the A's are a joke. the The last few years have not been kind to uh, to to Mister Billy Bean's legacy. There, have they? It's uh, it's ugly. They signed Billy Butler. <laughs> a three-year contract. That is unforgivable. 
It's a lot of country breakfasts. But, uh, and then they cut him. And he played for the Yankees. <laughs> Billy Butler played for the Yankees. How crazy. The world. Uh, the world is an odd place. No, you're, but yeah, yeah, the Oakland thing is absolutely insane. Uh, I have Jays fans coming at me who keep saying, you know, they just want that pick. They're just they're they they're they're putting those picks in their pockets and then that's it. They're 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 not doing anything. You know, basically, is this the people have this attitude that that uh, Shapiro and Atkins just they love draft picks so much that they're they're not going to even consider doing anything that would cost them one. You know, considering that they're due to get three right now. You know, their own plus two from you know one each from Edwin Edwin and Jose. Uh, of course, they're not exactly due to get that from either of those guys if they don't sign before the draft, but I don't think that's, you know, we're a really, really, really long way from anything like that. Uh, but this posture kind of drives me nuts because it's just, it's not, it's not true. You know, they're like literally every team in which they factor in the value of the draft pick into, you know, where they're willing to go in terms of getting the player. And there is a point where the player becomes such a bargain that that it offsets the loss of the draft pick you know it, it it's it's not that they are just hell bent on getting these picks and we should know this because they supposedly were you know going down to the wire or really in hard on uh, on Dexter Fowler because they supposedly made that offer to to Edwin though I, and I think I've sort of stoked some of this myself <laughs> the idea that maybe it was uh, the offer wasn't as genuine as uh, uh, as as it's been reported, and maybe they knew that he would turn it down, and it would look good for them, PR wise, mm-hmm. and then they would be happy to move along. Which, not crazy to think, but I mean, I just I think I really reject this idea that they are are just dead set on getting these picks, even though it's you know the last time that they're going to be so freely available, you know, with the changes in the CBA. Uh, you know, I it still it wouldn't surprise me if they bring back. Bautista, if they bring, you know, if, if Edwin's market goes so low, it would still surprise me if they brought back Edwin. But I mean, if you, if you end up talking about one year deals and stuff like that, but I mean, this still reminds me of, you know, we've talked about last week and, and before, you know, the Prince Fielder thing where, you know, people like the Oakland A's, like uh, whatever garbage team the, the Cleveland was talking about, you know, uh, potentially getting into the market for Encarnacion. It's like, yeah, good, you know, good luck. I guess, I guess maybe if he's looking at like two years and, and, you know, 40, $50 million, but I think he's still going to get his money somewhere. Maybe that's naive of me, but, but you know, that, that seems to be, you, you don't really bet on uh, guys getting, you know, just crazy, crazy bargain contracts or, you know, signing these, these contracts that are just such bargains for the team. I think the idea of getting these two first-round picks is very enticing, though. I don't think that anyone should scoff at them well, they, and, they, and, they, and say if that if, if the if the team is like we really want these picks, first-round picks are incredibly valuable. Oh and yeah, this no, is I, the last year that they're going to be handing them out like candy for nothing other than letting your your free agents sign with another team. No, no, they absolutely, they absolutely are. They are very valuable, and I think that they are being valued by the Jays, and maybe even, maybe even because of their minor league situation more so than some other teams. Uh, but I still reject the idea that it's like that they are just we're getting these draft picks, and whatever we do, the only thing we're going to not do is lose out on getting these draft picks. It's like no, there, there's. I think there's. 
everything has its price. There's an equation where it could make sense for them to give up the draft pick. I, I think we don't. And I just think people use that as, you know, a cudgel against Shapiro and Atkins to, to you know, keep this narrative that they're cheap, that they're, that they want to tear things down, which I guess I'm contributing to this week as well, but that the, you know, and just, you know, just every, it, it just feeds so naturally into all the negative things they want to think about these guys in this front office. And I, 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 I reject that for that reason, because I think it's for, you know, it's just being negative for negative sake, but you're right. Draft picks, very valuable. And a team that's going to blow it up in, uh, in July Gonna be real happy they had three picks in June. Well, uh, that, that's what I was gonna say. Where <laughs> they, the Jays could try desperately to compete again in 2017. Try desperately, maybe that's a bit of a strong term. Um, or they can not only collect the two picks this uh, the next coming draft, but they can have a really high first round pick in about in, in you know 2019, mm-hmm. like an upper you know uh, early 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 in the first round. Um, there's one thing I've been thinking about a lot recently, and we've talked a lot about dollars and who's overpaid and underpaid. And, you know, you look at the... the. I know you are loath to put any kind of weight or put any kind of consideration into projections and projected standings or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? I, they're, 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 you can, there's some value in them and looking at them, but yeah, I don't, I generally don't like that. What really bugs me are like playoff odds, you know, like in May, mm. oh, but, but, but yes, I, you know, you got to go out and play the games, but I, I understand why projections are what they are and, and that they see things in a way that, you know, we don't and that it's valuable to see what they're saying. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just so. like write down the projections and say, oh, this is what, this is what we're going to get. I think that there is something to be said for Troy Tulowitzki being the most crucial player in terms of the swing in the value that he can represent. Yeah. Because if he if he hits like the guy that hit for most of the season, and feels like the guy that we know him to be. That's pretty good. That's like a, basically a four-win player, I would say. That's great. It is. If he yeah. hits poorly, and I mean, his again, he was not a guy that hit especially well on the balance of the season, and that you know six-week-long slump definitely counts. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if he gets hurt, if Tulowitzki's out, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, it, it, that would be a huge blow. Even, but even I mean, you're right that the that he did hit well in the second half. But it's like it's a thousand plate appearances of being about a league average hitter. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. it's two years now, and it's, uh, you know, that's the, the six weeks doesn't drag that down as much, and there, you know, because there's other bad periods in there as well, and he wasn't as great at the end of the season, and uh, you know, 2015 when he came over to the Jays, he wasn't that great, and he's. Yeah, he's 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 starting to get some distance between what he was and what he is. So yeah, I I think you're right that there's hopefully and 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 very possibly, you know, some more big seasons in Tulo's bat. I I I don't want to live in a world where that isn't possible. But mm-hmm. it's 
it's getting tougher every year to really expect it. And you're right. And if he gets hurt, I mean, you know, that's, that is extremely troublesome because yeah. And this is, you know, this was a big sort of thread in the, the piece I wrote for vice about tearing it down. It's like, you know, just the way that they're set up is you're relying more now on, on Tulowitzki than you did last year. And then next year, you know, what's, what's going on next year when, when Estrada and, uh, and Liriano leave your, your rotation. There's no real natural replacements coming. You're probably, if you're, so if you have free agent dollars, you're probably going to spend them on pitching. And, you know, then you're relying on Tulowitzki even more next year. And then a year after, and then after that year, uh, Donaldson's a free agent. It's, uh, Tulo being the Tulo of, you know, Colorado of the, of, of the, you know, the couple years before he made his way over to Toronto here. Uh, would make all the difference. I think. I think you're absolutely right. Like that could, that could give the Blue Jays enough to, to really do something with, uh, with the pitching staff they have that looks that still looks like it's pretty good. But, but yeah, I think you're right. He's he's sort of the guy in the same way. I think we talked about last year. You know, Aaron Sanchez was was really crucial, and and Sanchez and Stroman and Osuna. Mm-hmm. You know, giving them giving them something because if they they didn't really have a lot to fall back on, if those guys. Uh, weren't, you know, going to be big league ready and able to contribute and, and 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 you know provide a lot of value for them because you know if you had to send any of them to the minors because they had some sort of you know sophomore hiccup or whatever, you'd be in a lot of trouble. And I think you know obviously it's quite different with the veteran Tulo, but yeah, he's huge. I mean, you, I think if I think with the American League, okay, so the uh, in terms of just pure talent, obviously that doesn't mean that, like you said they've got to play the games. They're definitely behind the Red Sox in talent by a, a lot. Um, I think most teams Sox, are, yeah. The Red Sox were the better team last year. The Red Sox, who won four more games than the Blue Jays last year, but now are uh, markedly better. Yeah. Because um, Chris Sale played for the Red Sox now? Yeah. And they didn't trade anything off their big league roster to get him? No. No, they didn't. Uh, Cleveland is probably a little bit better than the Blue Jays. Um, the Astros are, in terms of talent, definitely got more talent than the Blue Jays. But then yeah. you get into like the Angels and the Mariners and the and the Rangers and the Tigers and maybe the Royals and the Yankees and the Rays and the mm-hmm. and the Orioles. Now that you're in the middle of that, like I would say that last year, at this time last year, the Jays, we, you and I, could sit here and say that the Jays are definitely the best the best team in the American League, and they and they, I would think that they were. They were a better team than everybody except the Red Sox. I think by yeah. the time the season ended. And the, I mean, we were afraid of the Red Sox all winter, but yeah, they basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's. And how the we Red do. the Red Sox, everything that that we were afraid of with the Red Sox came true. And also, you know, Mookie Betts was markedly better than even the most the most conservative hater. Like, oh, he's no good. <laughs> he was yeah. insane. He was un- unbelievable. Um, yeah, but. Uh, it's just a little scary to try to, to think. So, I mean, maybe I think that has to feed into the kind of decision making. Yeah. That, so, so that, does like, the second wild hmm? card. So does the second wild card, though. I think as well, obviously, yeah. because there's that. There's just this cluster of teams where they're all legitimately probably going to be in it for a lot of the you know a lot of the season just because there's that extra spot there. They could be in it for the, a lot of the rest, yes. of the rest of the season, but you have you don't have to look any further than the last year's Rangers, right? 
where they were like a marginally talented team that went bananas in situationally, and then it all went away in the playoffs, but they ran up to a huge record, and then the Astros were kind of hurt. So I'm kind of arguing both sides of the both sides here but it's just like the jays are in the middle of that in that middle of that muck and if they sign both edmund and bautista are they three wins better four wins better mm. eight wins better i don't know they're definitely better than they are right now without any viable replacements for their jobs in the outfield but it just starts to become that it's it's that it's real tricky and then and then you have to start thinking yeah long term like what happens in 2018 when you've got all these extra holes to fill, and now, not only so, I I think that, I, I as you said, you got to in your in your blow it up piece, like, not only okay, well if you spend twenty million dollars on Edwin Encarnacion this year, and then next year, so now in twenty eighteen you still have a little bit more money, but not much comes off, and you still have to fill all those holes, mm-hmm. right? It's a little scary. It's a uh, so I think they should just trade everybody, <laughs> right? That's what you're saying. Trade them. Trade them all. I I'm not I'm I'm trying to not say that I'm trying to say that hopefully a better path becomes clearer by the uh, by the end of the year and that hopefully you know someone I mean and this is hopefully Tulo has the year that that we're talking about where he looks like you know uh, maybe not a one B to Donaldson but you know a a, a second you know, star level player instead of just a a really good defensive shortstop with an okay you know a league average bat which makes him good for a shortstop but uh, a guy mm-hmm. who's real deep into his decline or, or really has has you know begun his decline quite clearly um you know and and you know what of anthony alford and and rowdy tellas and sean reed foley like if those guys come and look like they can provide some immediate help if they're guys who can come in and you know later in the year and 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 I mean I think that's asking a lot of Alfred and Reed Foley in particular because they these are guys who are you know at Dunedin still to end the year. Uh, I think I don't think either of them has touched Double A, but maybe I'm wrong because I've stopped paying attention to prospects for <laughs> a lot a large part. Uh, but you know, if there are guys like that that can come along, if there are deals that you can make that can that can change the equation for 2017, uh, then that would change the equation. You know, I I mean I think you got Liriano and you have. Uh, Estrada coming off the books at the end of the year, maybe, you know, maybe it's not a full teardown. Maybe you think you can get something that can help you for next year for one of those guys at the deadline, and uh, you know, maybe people emerge out of nowhere that, that you don't expect. But it's you know, you're kind of, it's not really a great plan. It's just sort of hope more than, you know, yeah, more you know, like a, a B C. A here's here's what's here's what's going to happen, and and you know, and and I think that. The front office might be at the point um, where, you know, because they obviously didn't couldn't tear it down last year, could couldn't tear it down after this year. Uh, I mean, who knows with Rogers? But I mean, uh, I would always I always like to think about you know front office uh, moves and the way they think. You know, sort of you, you, through the prism of their own job security because I think that's obviously uh, important to them and, and, and a consideration for them. So uh, it, it would be, it feels like it would be a long time uh, for them to have been in that job to just again, be seeing success. You know, if we're talking about actually tearing it down and, 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 you know, building a real strong farm and coming back and being, you know, a, a, a team built through the farm for, 
2020 2021 you know to, you know and actually like you know thinking about really contending it that's a long time uh to have a front office in place that uh you know the 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 seat will get a little hot for them you think uh in, in that time i would imagine but uh maybe the fact that they've been so good for these last two years has bought them that time and maybe that makes this you know right now or this 2017 season the ideal time for them to to really just blow it up and do that and try to and, and try to do it that way rather than pushing it off another year uh, because that's just going to make it all the more difficult for them to to hang on to their jobs if they you know try to hump this dream of contending in 2017 and 2018 and not blow it up until you know uh, 18, 18 months from now um, so maybe that's that's another signal that this is you know where it's going and that the the I guess the core of the piece, there were a lot of threads in it, but it is basically that there's just not, uh, not a lot of, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't put a lot of obstacles in their way. Uh, Kendry's contract is a little bit of one. It's the, the three year deal to Morales, but they haven't put a lot of obstacles in their way, uh, to just tearing this down pretty easily. Um, maybe that's wrong. There's still a lot of money for Tulo and for Martin, uh, but I mean, especially if they're willing to eat a little bit of money, because they certainly do have the budget and they certainly do have money coming in. Uh, I don't know. It's something that, for all the lip service they pay to wanting to put a championship team on the field, I think has to be back of their mind. And and I think a lot of people probably think it was in front of their mind when Shapiro signed on to come here, and then the the Jays just went nuts for those two months and completely changed it. So maybe this has sort of always been the plan all along, and I think. A lot of people have uh, that's their that's been their fear, uh, understandably so. Uh, and, and I've sort of pushed back against that a little bit because obviously I think that they're more, more malleable than that. But when you really look at where the budget is and where the prospects are and where it's all maybe going, uh, it it doesn't really feel so great, really. I mean, it just it doesn't where the prospects are at and where the core of the system is just doesn't line up with where the money is and where the old veteran core of the team is which is already sort of starting to fall apart with Bautista and Encarnacion going and you know with Donaldson getting closer to free agency and with Martin and Tulo starting to decline the way that they kind of looked like they were last year and, and the year before a bit as well one question that, that I, that's kind of come to my head just now is is of those trades that that Alex Anthopoulos made in 2015 which do you think that anyone would really want to undo Right, like what? Which is is there a player that was traded out that I think that would really make the difference in the team now? Or so, if say the Jays hadn't gone through what they went through over the last two years, um, you know, is is Dan Norris changing that equation? Is Jeff Hoffman changing that equation? Maybe he is. Maybe if you've got those guys, suddenly you're not paying Jay Happ. Mm-hmm. Which does what? Your team is probably at most the same in terms of the pitching, but like, I, I, yeah. Or, are we are we then to believe? My my question is this: so if 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 Shapiro's mad at the trades that were made, is he going to make similar trades in terms of turning near big league talent into uh, players to fortify the existing roster and, and put together a playoff run? Was he going to do better? trading Dan Norris and Matt Boyd and, and Jeff Hoffman while unloading Jose fucking Reyes at the same time? that That's a question that I don't think has been answered. 
because it's not someone that came into my in, on Twitter and was like, "Oh, look at what the Jays gave up for two months of David Price compared to what the Red Sox get for two years of Chris Sale." And it's like there there is no uh, Juan Mancado in the Blue Jays system. There no, but not everybody has one of those no. to trade. And, and no, I don't. Just, I, I, yeah, my, my, I just I just don't know. I, I mean. I agree that that there is an imbalance in terms of the in terms of the succession plan behind the aging and and ex, and ex, getting more expensive core, but but I I, I want so so if that was Shapiro's outlook, like I can't believe you gave up all these guys, I might be inclined to say fuck that. To say that no one's going to miss any of those players. That the best of the best of that bunch is probably Jeff Hoffman, has a chance to be the best player, and he's pitching in Colorado now, so we'll never know. <laughs> True. I, I would to I, to argue in place of Shapiro, uh, I guess. I mean, it, it, for one, I think it's it, it, yes, obviously the underlying numbers were there and the Pythagorean stuff was there that that made that made it understandable why they pushed as hard as they did. Um, you know, I I can I can understand him being like, well, if that was all if that was all there, did you need David Price? And as much as I think you're right that. You know, Dan Norris isn't a huge difference maker, but you know, maybe you're not paying Liriano fourteen million dollars. You have fourteen million dollars to do something else there. Uh, you have a guy, but they're not going to do have. that. They're not going to do it without money. If they have fourteen million dollars, so even if so, if they had fourteen million dollars, they weren't spending on Liriano, and another twelve they weren't spending on Hap, and another thirty, uh, so maybe thirteen on 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 Estrada. So suddenly you've, you've taken all those guys away, and you've got that big pile of money. But where is it going? Are they are they going to be out there spending it on on Justin Turner? Are they trying to outbid nobody on Justin Turner who was happy to sign for pennies to play for the Dodgers again? <laughs> probably, I don't know. Probably not. Though, uh, though, I mean, maybe it's easier if you have a Jose Reyes contract that's ending. Is does his deal? Does his original deal end this year? This co- in twenty seventeen? Is that the last year of it? I think, as opposed to Tulos, which goes for you know three four more years. Three more years or whatever it is, uh, you know. Maybe if you have that about to come off your books, and you have Hoffman and Norris, and you have Stroman and Osuna and Sanchez, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're looking better set up. But but I mean, we're arguing. I mean, that's ridiculous too. Because holy shit, why? Who would who would trade what happened in 2015? Uh, I certainly I certainly wouldn't. I just I understand where Shapiro might be coming from in terms of thinking about. You know how that impacted the future, and and how Anthopoulos really on the way out the door. Uh, though I guess he didn't think he was at the door, but maybe he did. But uh, the way that he uh, really sort of uh, punted uh, a lot of of the bills to be paid uh, down the road. I think the bigger issue is not that Alex Anthopoulos did that. I think the issue is the overall and complete organizational failure to develop any kind of above average position player to draft and, and develop anybody who could play their own who has come through the system and been an everyday big leaguer who isn't Kevin Pillar <laughs> which is they deserve credit for Kevin Pillar and Kevin Pillar deserves a lot of credit for becoming like a very strong fielder but you know let's not get blinded by by uh, some by by DRS or UZR and say that that it covers up all of his innumerable sins or, or the things that he can and can't do. Uh, like if, if Kevin Pillar is, is the feather in your player development, position player development cap, 
I'm a little worried. I'd like to see something. You know, yeah. it'd be nice if there if if that was the was the way that you're able to offset the big big dollar contracts and stuff like that. It's just it feels a little disingenuous or it feels a little unfair to throw it all on the guy who took a shot at winning the World Series. You yeah, can defend the David right. Price trade all day. Look at the look at the usage percentage. Look at how heavily teams can ride an ace in the playoffs, which they didn't have before. Maybe someone would say David Price isn't a playoff ace. The Red Sox fans have been saying that shit all <laughs> winter long. True. But, but I, 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 I can, I, I'm happy to defend those moves given the, given what they traded away. I'm happy to defend almost any move. Again, the Red Sox gave up. They paid a huge, huge price for Chris Sale, but they got a huge return. They got Chris Sale for two years. That's awesome. Hoffman, Norris, Boyd. Want some of the other spare parts, whatever they traded for 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 Mark Lowe, that stuff for me is easily defended, easily yeah. defended, and I don't think it's the reason that the, that we're talking now about why the team should get blown up, because there is a case to make for blowing the team up. I think Frank, I think that's the, that's the other, that's the other thing, right? The the big takeaway here is you're not out to lunch. You Stoughton are not out to lunch and saying maybe they should just blow it up. Yeah, I, I think I think Dave Cameron made that case, you know, right at the end of the season, and my, probably me included. We're like, oh fuck this, fuck you for try, for suggesting the Jays should just blow it up. I think his point was to do it right now, to do mm-hmm. it in the twenty seven, you know, to the twenty sixteen seventeen off season, uh, which did seem preposterous because it did seem like this was a team that was going to actually fucking go out and maybe spend a little bit of money, run the highest payroll in team history and and build on the success that they had last year because why the hell shouldn't they do that uh and yet here they are uh you know doing doing favors for an ownership that does not need any fucking favors done for it that's just raking in money uh hand over fist on the tv dollars and 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 everything associated with this team uh and and you know just it's not that they're not giving them the dollars to compete, but they are just, they are letting them be hamstrung by the dollars that are already allocated to places where they could just as easily not do that. Uh, but whatever is, as, as has been the case for, you know, the entirety of Rogers ownership of this club, you know, somewhere there's an equation that says that doesn't make sense to spend more. So they don't spend more. And it has, uh, I, I think that's dubious. I don't think that every you know all the problems should be solved with money, but I mean you look at what the Dodgers are doing, where they're building the core and they're spending, and they're 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 creating a situation where they've got these great you know veterans coming back on expensive contracts that when those expire, they're going to have a really cheap and incredible core going forward, and and that's you know the Red Sox are are, uh, are similar in that situation. I think they have a really cheap core, but I mean the Dodgers are are really positioned well and that's something that you would think that the blue jays should be able to do i know they don't have the the uh the huge tv contract but they they the owner owns the damn tv network you know and i don't know i don't know what the dollars are in terms of the advertising money what the eyeballs here are compared to there and i know it's a more competitive environment and for advertising dollars and whatever it is that, that makes uh the 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 rsn in california want to invest that much into being able to say they're the home of the Dodgers but I you know I I'd be I would be surprised that that they 
could pull the kind of ratings that the Blue Jays do night in, night out. And I don't think they do because they're not in enough households and they use that as leverage, and so that has value to them. So it's a complicated situation. But, I mean, it's crazy. And and somebody pointed this out today on Fangraphs. Uh, Dave Cameron had a chat where they asked about what teams, you know, kind of get unexpected uh, traffic on the site. And he said, oh, the Blue Jays. Yeah, like when the Joaquin Benoit... Drew Storen trade went down, you know, Mariners fans are like, yeah, whatever, garbage for garbage. And then Benoit went to the number one searched player on uh, on Fangrass page because the Jays have a fucking insanely big fan base. And, uh, and they don't acknowledge it through the dollars that they spend on payroll, even though, you know, complicated Canadian dollars, all that shit. It is, it, I share fans' frustration, even as I, you know, could try to rationalize why this team might be in a position where tearing it all fucking down is is the place to go uh it shouldn't be it should be in a position where they're signing the guys that that are the best available to make this team as good as possible and, and that they're not is a shame and it's, it's a shame on rogers really well rogers is going to fix it because what <laughs> yeah. they're going to do is they're going to hire a director of fan services <laughs> and let me tell you what that director of fan services is going to do that director of fan services is going to uh, oversee the organization's fan services strategy. Uh, this role will be responsible for creating and implementing service initiatives, training, Ooh. and measurement tools for use across the organization. <laughs> the director of fan services will also build and oversee a department responsible for pro- providing service to fans via phone, email, and other channels, as well as in park during games. The successful candidate will engage their team in the development and execution of strategies and programs that focus on delivering exceptional Ooh. fan service in every interaction with the club. Does that sound like you? I so, think I think I can develop strategies and and implement service impl- initiatives. S- initiatives, that's the one. Yeah, I think I I think I'm chock full of initiatives. Yeah. Are you going to implement uh, training and, <laughs> and measurement tools? What, what what would be a good measurement tool uh, to from to, from my fan service evaluating initiative? the the service level provided? Let's see by what? your team. What would I implement? What would I implement? Um, you see, my initiative would be, I think, to to implement a measuring tool that uh, that takes my team and, using various implements, measures their fan service interactions on a. Uh, You're hired. A, oh, thank you. I, you You're know, hired. Um, they well. need to. Uh, <laughs> responsibilities include establishing and implementing a collaboratively created organizational vision for fan service. So you got to get your team together. And you got to figure out what's our what's our what what is our service? What does it mean to be a Blue Jays employee? You got to share that enthusiasm. That's I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm auditioning for this job here on the podcast. We need to make sure that our team shares the enthusiasm for our fans. It's an emotional buy for them. So we got to be there to match their emotion and understand their emotions these are people that'll that'll drive from from coburg or places that are even worse (laughs) than that spend a big pile of money on a single game you have to make sure that every moment that they're in the ballpark is special develop short and long-term strategies focused on achieving the fan service vision (laughs) how much are we paying these people to ensure every moment is 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 a special wonderful little snowflake i bet you this job pays like a hundred thousand dollars a year this maybe yes, I'm 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 more concerned about the team, the the team members, you know, the ones who are, you know, really, when you get down to it, going to implement the strategies. You can't have a strong team without a strong vision, Stoughton. That is come true. on, that is true. 
Create and implement research programs used to determine both fan and internal perceptions of existing service experience. So you got that. You know what? Big data. Data is king, Stoughton. Data is king. Uh, I used you gotta to, get I, it. I used you gotta to write shit it. like this. You it's, don't ask people yeah. what they want. You ask. You have to find out what they do. Don't ask them what they. Don't ask anybody anything. People will tell you bullshit. You got to look at what they do. Where do they spend time? Where do they spend time in the site? What are the what are the what are the pain points? That's a big one. You got to use pain points. What are the pain points in the ticket purchasing process? What are the pain points in getting to the ballpark? I think you're quite qualified for this job. I think so too. I won't lie to you. Uh, development and execute recurring comprehensive training programs to ensure consistent delivery of service across our organization and fan facing third parties. Holy shit! That means how do you control <laughs> Aramark? How do you make yeah. the Aramark people appear yeah. human? In front of the other people. Not possible. Uh, develop, implement, and monitor complaint management and resolution systems and processes. That's the shitty, when the, the guy... The thing is... Oh, please go. Yeah, please continue. The guy who is in row G tries to start a fight with the guy in row H, and then he gets his ass kicked. Then he tries to sue the guy in row H. you got to resolve that resolu- that, that, that dispute. Well, he, you never start a fight with a guy who's above you. I know, but that's always the guy that who's going to lose the fight. Yes, that, absolutely. You're absolutely right. That He's, would be part of my fan service. Make sure everyone knows, <laughs> don't start a fight with the guy above you. Only throw bombs downhill. Throw hands downhill. Uh, management of fan service department. Uh, build and lead department of staff members focused on providing service to fans through phone, email, and online responses and in-park fan assistance. So how I, are you going to get, how you get, yeah. you got to set up uh, some sort of system that's going to allow people to tweet at you or be like, yo, I'm in 504. I need a beer. Or there's something going on up here. Hit me hit me on that hotline. Create and implement systems. And, man, this thing just goes on forever. It's ridiculous. So what, what was the guy? Who did they fire? Who was the guy who tweeted at people? Stephen Brooks? Uh, I think he could Yeah, do his job was different than this one, I think. Oh, no, yeah, no. I think I, this would be a demotion for him. But I, Also, you think this person's getting making six figures? This person? The person who the job you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I... You don't think that there's just value in the fact that you get to work in the sports industry? As soon as you start telling me to create and implement research programs used to determine both fan and internal perceptions of it, like that, you need to, that to me is like what puts it over there. There's, that's an actual you, you skill. You have to be able to handle that sort of, you need to be able to work in, in with, with that data and say, where are we going to get the data? What are we going to do with it? These yeah. data. I, I, yeah. I, um, you, you really need a, you need a vision. You need a vision. Monitor fan request complaints and resolutions and report on trends in fan service. you got to be up on all the trends in fan service. If I wanted to learn about <laughs> fan service, I'd just watch any of the more recent Star Wars releases. Hey. Uh, work with HR and also work with HR to hire and staff departments based on needs throughout the year. Yeah, this person makes $100,000 a year for sure. It's a director. It's a director title. Well, So basically what you're saying is that this is just a fucking... Uh, a job posting for a job that they already have somebody for. They just, you know... They have to post it. It's policy. It's it's you know they 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 can't they can't not post it. That would be wrong. But uh, this one but maybe. So, but, but somebody there was another one that they posted up that was seemed like it wasn't up very long. That one was I think the one where they had to put it up because someone was already in, in place for it. Yeah. They were also hiring a director of analytics. Did, we, did you see that? That job was crazy. Yeah. Um, well, but you know what? Like we that, we were it. joking, and people were getting really put out put out by all the jargon that's in this thing. Um, but this is part of the team's commitment to becoming a professional sports business <laughs> that we talked yep. a lot about, right? <laughs> it is, yeah. Like, do you think that do you think that that Beeston was ready to hire a director of fan services to to do data based 
uh, uh, fan yeah, appreciation surveys and to, to figure out the pain points. No, I don't think that he was. He was a little folksier before. Between this, like there, well, this is this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. This is about maximizing the customer experience, trying to get as much extract as much money out of people. They're they're going to spend more money if they're happy. If they're pissed off at your building or things that before maybe you shrugged your shoulders and said, "Oh, it's not our fault." You didn't know where to park. Goddamn city. Yeah. Oh, it's not our fault. The food's shitty. Airmark does it. Now, now you can blame the algorithm. Now you can blame the algorithm. You can blame the person who makes a hundred thousand dollars and works a hundred hours a week. Uh, you can blame them. I think that's it. We've done our du- our duty for the day. We've done a service. We read marketing jargon out loud. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you work at Rogers and you you want me to come and do this job, just hit me up. Hit me up at Drew Groff. We'll, we'll sit down. We'll do lunch. You'll find those pain points. You'll. I am. You'll kill I am it. very familiar with pain points. You know the big thing. I think if you're coming to the Blue Jays, if you're coming to a Blue Jays game, you got to think about it in terms of I want it to be a frictionless experience from the moment they step off the go train or get out of their car to the moment they get in their seat. Friction, no friction. Get them in there. Get them in smooth sailing. It's cut down the lines. It's going to cost hired. money, though. Hired. 100% hired. Yeah, do it on the cheap. Hmm? Do, do it on the cheap is your problem, right? I'll do it for as, lo- as few dollars as $99,000. You don't need to pay me $100. i will do it for $99. I more, I more meant cutting down the lines on the cheap. Gonna, you got to hire more than cheap. I'm going to make it appear as though no. the, 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 the security theater is for everyone's benefit. <laughs> more like a, fa- a false theater. flag of some sort? Yeah, definitely a false flag. <laughs> We're going to throw. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it a few times. You can read Stoughton's uh, Why the Blue Jays Should Contract the Team and Fire All of the Directors <laughs> of Fan Services and it is, it, it maybe explo- implode, raise with a Z, raise the Skydome. Uh, Roger Center, you can read that on uh, Vice Canada, yeah. sports.vice.com, I believe. Yeah, if you're in Canada, it'll, it'll take you to the Canadian side, I'm pretty sure. You can also, of course, of course read Stoughton at uh, Blue Jays Nation. Uh, actually, isn't it not, is it not our Blue Jays Nation? Is it still that? OurBlueJaysNation.com? No, it's just BlueJaysNation.com. Just BlueJaysNation, not our. It's not our nation. We I think don't it was it. the Blue Jays Nation. I think you might be able to get to it from the Blue Jays Nation as well. Cool, uh, and of course you can follow him on, on Twitter at Andrew Stoughton, and you can follow me on at Drew Groff. And uh, uh, with the whole, this whole little thing we do, birds all day, we got a Facebook page. So hit it up on Facebook. We'll try to get the banter going again because there's not really anything else going on. People love banter, but anyway, uh, first from Andrew Stoughton. You have anything to say? You done? I'm done. Yeah. Cool. All right. My name is Drew. His name is Stone. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day.